Word. Boom. Here we go. First Samuel chapter 9. We're going to choose the first king tonight. At least Samuel is. You know what the mood of uh, most of the Israelites is at this time? <laughs> Pretty enthusiastic. They're expecting something here. And, um, of course, they came to Samuel demanding a king. Samuel was disheartened, wasn't he, whenever they asked that. He didn't, uh, it's like he didn't argue with them. He went straight to God. God said, Samuel, that's what it's going to be. Listen to the people. You're going to get a king. And I do want you to tell them that there, here are the warnings about when you have a king. Of course, it'll be high taxes. They'll take your sons and your daughters and make them uh, servants and uh, have them be doing the military. They'll be drafting them in, and um, you know they they'll be serving the the king in a lot of ways. And he'll take all the uh, the vegetables and meats and to to feed all of his servants. And so that was what was told. Okay, you're going to have a king. You get what you want. Here you go. And so Samuel now is going to be the one out looking for the king or waiting to see who God brings. He's going to have to discern this. I mean, how do you pick a king? It's up to him. You know, it's, it's not by the people. Um, so, you know, they've been turning from God to idols for forever. And that's what they've been doing recently too. Um, God told Samuel that really they're not rejecting you, Samuel. You're the judge. They really are rejecting me. And, you know, that had to really disappoint him in the sense of, we're going to have a king. God's actually going to do this. So he instructed the people, gives them a warning, and uh, that they'll be given a king. Here's what you will get. So they're oblivious to the warnings and the seriousness of the aspect of their sin and then what they want rather than what God really had in mind as far as God being the king. But it's interesting, we looked at it last week, and be good to go there for a moment. In Deuteronomy 17.15, you have the law and God is their king. It's called a theocracy. That's what he designed. So that is his revealed will, isn't it? That he is king of Israel. Now, there's also the secret will of God. The revealed will, we know. We can go, okay, this is the way it was. That's not a surprise to us that it was a theocracy and he was the king of the Israelites. But there is a secret will which is not like he's changing his mind in the middle of things and he's going, well, you know, those people really want a king. I guess I'll go ahead and give it to them. You know, he knew full well that this was going to be the way it is. So in Deuteronomy 17.15, we read this last week, and this is long before they're going to have a king, right? It's written during the time of Moses. So it's going to be another 500 years before there's a king. But knowing the people and what they want, this is how merciful God is. He actually makes way for a king for them. So he says in 15, You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight in chapter 9 of Samuel. Um, from among your countrymen, you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. So, And then he says, Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. 
that's not bad. If you're going to have a king, you might as well have one who's biblical. So that would work pretty good, wouldn't it? It shall be with him, and he shall uh, read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. If he fears God, then in the end, you're going to have other people doing that too in the country. By carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. So a heart that wouldn't be lifted up above the countrymen, so he would love the people, and he'd also be loving God, as he would be obedient to the commandments, neither turning to the right or to the left. So, this is going to be a king that God chooses. Now, so he's, you know, it's not a command that they were to have a king. It's their desire and their wish. And this is what he's doing here. So, all eyes now in the nation are upon Samuel. Who's he going to pick? Who's he going to designate as God's choice? So, everybody's looking at him. And every man who crosses the path of this prophet, this judge, if Samuel is talking to him, people are looking and rumors get around, you know, and they're probably thinking, it might be him. So, as time went on, they uh, definitely observed Samuel. Um, it's interesting uh, that Saul's uncle, and you'll see it in chapter 10, but is so interested in what Samuel has to say to Saul, who's going to be the, the first king, right, Saul. But um, no one would have ever imagined that God would make the choice of his kingdom known um, until you look at chapter 9 of Samuel through 11. That's basically how Saul is chosen. And it's interesting because you see the sovereignty and the providence of God woven all the way through this. It's all what He has chosen. And you would have thought that He would have started with a David. But He starts with a Saul who's really, I, could, I think you could say, a man of humility uh, coming from a small area, from a small family. I mean, not really famous, not really <clears throat> known as far as he's concerned. And so Saul is God's choice for Israel's king. God equips him to be uh, a king. And chapters 9 and 10, and we're just doing 9 tonight, they describe the events which convince Saul that he is God's choice for Israel's king. Saul has no idea. He's not looking to be king. You know, I'm sure there were some people that would like to have been king. But he wasn't looking for that at all. That's the least of his concerns. And this is the way that God often works, though. And chapters 10 and 11 is about the casting of lots and the designating of Saul and the, the great military victory that is done over Nahash and the Ammonites. And that convinces the Israelites then that Saul is the man to be king. So there's some overlapping functions there that uh, are kind of illustrated in that way. Uh, the events here in this text that we're looking at, like in chapter 9, would be for the benefit of Saul and all of Israel. But the primary benefit actually is for Samuel. Samuel, the prophet, the judge. Because God shows him exactly who it's going to be. And so he, he has to discern who that king is going to be, but the events, the way that is brought down, it's not accident. It is the way that God wanted Samuel to know that this is the man. And so Samuel will be certain. And we'll see that in this chapter. Anyway, quite a job that he has now in uh, being the judge and being the great prophet that he is. 
So we'll be looking at that in a moment. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for this evening that we have to study Your Word. Thank You for that. We have this time, the freedom to be able to do this. That we never take it for granted that it is quite the privilege. We get to look into Your truth, how You work in the behind-the-scenes plans, and then how You use men like the prophet Samuel to do Your work, and then also somebody that has no idea what is going on. One who is not expecting to be put as the highest position in the land. And this is you, Lord. This is how you work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have a donkey hunt here to start it off with. Right, Tony? So I grabbed him. We have a donkey hunt tonight. You guys remember that game? Donkey Kong? Anyway, this is Saul and his search for his donkeys. And this is how that he's going to be found to be the king for Samuel to make this decision. Uh, let's take the first few verses here. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, son of Becheroth, the son of Aphia, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel from his shoulders and up he was taller than any of the people. So it starts with the father of Saul in the first verse. He's a Benjamite, so is Saul. And it says right at the end of verse 1 that he is a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. That's pretty, uh, pretty illustrating, isn't it? That means he has quite the reputation. His name is Kish. It's a good reputation. A mighty man of valor It could mean a man who has a lot of courage. It means he could have a lot of military skill and have success. Or even in his wealth, that he could be this mighty man of valor. A man of renown. You know, so he, he is known in that sense. Uh, at least he's a very well respected person. If you look back in Ruth, just the book before this, in chapter 2, verse 1, there was a man there that, um, it's hard to find Ruth, it's between two books, it's such a short book, right? But in 2, verse 1, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. That man, too, we would call a man of valor, wouldn't we? Quite the honor, a man of renown. He's, he's wealthy. Here it says a man of great wealth. So with that kind of thought, they're well respected. And in this case here, this father of Saul is very well respected. Have you ever thought too much about, uh, or very much at all, about Saul's father? I never really give it any thought, really. Big deal. But he's mentioned right off the bat who he is, and so that gives rise to knowing that Saul is probably somewhat known, that at least his dad is, but there's other reasons why. He is a choice and handsome and tall man. Saul means asked of God. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? So that's the Hebrew meaning. Saul comes from a good stock, I guess you could say. He's not really established a, a real reputation for himself, but he does have physical attributes. And they really amplify it here. He's a choice and handsome man. It's like he's the most handsome person in the whole nation. I guess that's saying something outwardly. But not only that, he is the tallest man in the nation. How tall was that? 
don't know. I'd say it's over six feet tall. They were shorter back then than we are, but um, chances are he's probably taller than me. And that's not saying a whole lot. But I'm like 6'3". He could have been 6'5", 6'6". Maybe not that tall, maybe taller. But that sticks out to people, and he's very handsome. And that whole idea is that uh, people make choices many of the times of the way that one looks, regardless of how capable they are, if they're looking for a job, if somebody has the same intelligence that another one has, and another one looks the part even more, I would say that person who looks outwardly would be the one chosen. Usually that's the case. And that, you know, we, we tend to be that way ourselves. You know, he's, uh, he's tall, he's dark. Tall, dark, and handsome, right? He's dark, he's an Israelite. He worked out in the fields. Um, so he, was prob- he probably had quite the, quite the tan. And I guess teenage daughters are a little older there. They might have called Saul quite a hunk, I guess you could say. They still use that word. Is that word gone? Anyway. We don't know we got teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't pay attention to that anymore, do we? <laughs> It'll take much more than this, though, for Saul to fulfill his calling as a king. That's what will impress the people, the way that he looks to start it all off with. So, so we've got it set up. Saul's father, now Saul, they uh, have donkeys, have have probably quite a uh, matter of uh, numbers of different kinds of animals. Uh, and that represented wealth. If you have donkeys, you own donkeys, you own a lot of donkeys, well, you would probably have a lot of money. There are probably, uh, probably sheep involved, and maybe oxen. That's really one of the best ways of showing wealth or having wealth. Cars, boats. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The more you have, the more better off you are. So here's the story. Here it goes. Now the donkeys of Kish... Saul's father, were lost. We don't know what happened. Whatever it was, they just took off. So Kish said to his son Saul, Take now with one of your servants and arise. Go search for the donkeys. He went and find them. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim, passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, but they were not there. Then he passed through the land of Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to a servant who was with him, Come and let us return, or else my father will cease to be concerned about the donkeys and will become anxious about us. So he said to him, Behold now, there is a man of God in this city. Now, this is the servant, right? He's speaking to Saul. There's a man of God in this city, and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now, let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is gone from our sack, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, Come and let us go to the seer. For he who is called a prophet now was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. So you have donkeys, you have Saul and the servant, and you have the man of God. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, Lost donkeys. They're out there somewhere. They can't find them. 
And Saul is instructing his servant to, uh, or be instructed to take along uh, somebody with him. And so he does. They don't find the donkeys. It's unsuccessful. And uh, it was not fruitful for them as they were out for days. And so you, you've got, okay, Saul is giving up. So we might as well go back because we can't find him. And I'm sure my father is worrying about me now and he'd probably rather me be back there rather than worrying about the donkeys. So that was what he had in mind. But God uses a servant here to tell him, hey, listen, we're really close to the land where um, this man of God lives. I don't even know if they even know what his name is. He calls him a man of God. But they're kind of using him like he's a way shower or something. Mm-hmm. It seems a bit bizarre. Like he's going to be able to see the future and tell them they don't. Yeah, he was. Uh, this was before they had prophets, and really Samuel is like kind of like the first prophet, isn't he? He's the last judge. He's the first prophet. It's a transition time going into the kings. Samuel is the, the first and, and the last, I guess you can say, it in that sense. Yeah. And so, here it is right here. These men have been covering ground for like three days. They don't find the donkeys. Saul throwing in the towel, ready to go home. And the servant has a suggestion. Hey, since we're here, there's a seer around here or a prophet. Man of God. And so that's that's what his suggestion is. Let's go check him out. Maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are at. But weren't, weren't Sears, you know, yeah, around a lot? Well, you think of that in the pagan lands, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I think yeah. yeah. And that may be the kind of way they're kind of looking at it. They do know that he's of God. So some, somehow he has some kind of magic power or, yeah. or power that's coming from God, you know. But at least they're going to the man of God. You can't can't fault him for that. But that, that's kind of what they're looking at here, you know. He can be a benefit for them. Um, chapter two, twenty-seven. About a man of God. There was Eli, the priest. Then there was a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and bondage to Pharaoh's house? There, there he's speaking for God, right? It's God speaking through him. A man of God. Who is that man of God there? Is that Samuel? Well... Uh, we know Eli, um, you, you have boy Samuel, right? But a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord. Uh, so anyway, you know, Eli had rebuked his sons at this time and, and, and that kind of thing. So Samuel was growing in stature and in favor, and then uh, somebody comes to Eli. Okay, go to chapter, uh, go to 1 Kings 14. Now, these guys are saying, okay, okay, if you're right, the servant, Saul is saying, you're the servant here. If you're right, then if we're going to go there, we've got to have an offering. We've got to bring something. I don't have anything. Saul has nothing to bring. Servant has this piece of silver here. Go to 1 Kings, uh, is it 14, verse 3? And this happens to be, again, it's dealing with a, a king, and somebody's going to be bringing something to them, uh, or uh, you have uh, the prophet. And he spoke concerning that I would be king over this people. So take ten loaves with you, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. So there again, there is somebody that has... Uh, some kind of sense of what 
God will do. It's almost, you know, there, there's a prophet. And so he says, ten loaves, cakes, honey, take a bunch of food there, and then you offer that to him. He will tell you. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. So this is already into the time of the kings, isn't it? 442. Now a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in a sack. And he said, Give them to the people that they may eat. Here it is bringing up an offering. This is Elisha the prophet there. And so you can see uh, a man brings all this food offering, barley, first fruits of you know, and grain and that kind of thing. So it's a common thing to bring that to a prophet. It's an offering, uh, think honoring the man, honoring God. Chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Uh, this is Gehazi. And, and here you had the story of Elisha. And uh, you remember uh, Naaman who dipped himself into the Jordan seven times. Anyway, when he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so please take a present from your servant now. So there is even Naaman bringing an offering to a man of God, Elisha, a prophet. So that was done quite often. That was the way they understood it. If you go there, if you want... They've done something for you, or if they're going to do something for you, or tell you maybe some advice, you give them an offering. But that's kind of like giving God an offering, I guess, in a sense, recognizing man of God. So they're near this place. A man of God is a prophet, a seer, uh, but they know that this man is esteemed, and his words have always come true. When he has spoken forth, What's a mark of a true prophet? Everything they say that they prophesy always is true. Never one error. And so anyway, perhaps they can ask this man about the journey and where the lost donkeys are at. They bring an offering. They have nothing else to give but that silver coin, so that'll suffice. Um, they really are oblivious to what really is going on. They have no idea. They're just concerned about the donkeys. That's like, you know, life. <clears throat> is that us? <laughs> we have no clue what we're God just, is doing. We just do stuff. We don't know. The servant and Samuel are looking for Samuel to be the king, right? Looking for the donkeys. And that is the way it is with us so often. So as we uh, get back into our Samuel passage, what do they think he's got a drone or something? It's almost like what is that that game that uh, that well, demonic? Well, didn't they also have? Uh, I, I'm thinking of Ouija board. Yeah, the witches. <laughs> yeah, that's what I They're saying like yeah. uh, conjurings yeah. or something kind of going on there. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I guess they don't have an idea. They didn't want to disappoint their dad. They did try. So if they head down to this guy, those guys got some connections. Maybe he's got some wisdom of where they should look. I don't well, they know. do know. They, they've heard. This servant has heard about him. It doesn't even sound like Samuel really even knows. They don't know his name. But the, And these guys are probably pretty young. You know, they could be in their late teens. He's kind of simpleton. But anyway, go ahead. So, early 20s or whatever, and hey, I've heard about this one guy, you know, and everything that he said always comes true. So, let's check him out since we're there. <clears throat> I think it was a side trip, but anyway, just saying. <laughs> so, they went up to the slope to the city. They found young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered them and said, He is. See, he's ahead of you. Right there. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today. 
You just happened to catch him at the right time. He's not always here, but he's here today. But I will tell you that he's going to be going real quick. You better go up there quick. I see the donkey's on his way there. For the people have a sacrifice on the high place today. As soon as you enter the city, you'll find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore, go up for you will find him at once. So they went up to the city, and they came into the city. Behold, what's that word there for? (laughs) Whoa, yeah, the trumpets are blowing here. Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the high place. He comes out there just like he's meeting them. Just an accident, right? This whole thing is just an accident. This is the providence of God. Nothing is accident. When you believe in a sovereign God, nothing is accident. Samuel's learning that too. Ah, so, it, interesting. Um, this is just the perfect moment, isn't it? And so, they're about to bless a sacrifice, and then they're going to celebrate, have the meal. And he has invited guests at this meal. These two guys right here are not invited. They have not been invited. They will be. (laughs) But uh, this is quite something for a a prophet who is... That's a neat sound. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, they got to hurry. Now, they've got to go to this high place. Now, that's interesting. We'll see. Seer, and now high place. What do you guys think, uh, guys think of when you hear the Pagan word gods. high place? Pagan gods. Idolatry, right? Idolatry. They always worship that. And you say, what are you doing, Samuel? You're a seer and you have offerings at a high place. Well, they really didn't have a temple, did they? And... They really don't even have a tabernacle. Knowing Samuel, there's no problem with the high place. The high place would have been, the people don't eat until they see that a sacrifice has been done. And it's over. Now they can eat. You get up on a hill in a high place, the people look up, they can see it. It's, you know, but if you get down on a level, you know, it's going to be very hard to see from very far away or where the hills are at, for instance. Samuel was just traveling around. He had the place where him and Eli were, right? I mean, he, that temple was still there, right? He was just traveling around all these little... little Oh, it's been moved. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember when they had uh, the... uh, the ark, and it came back from the Philistines. It didn't go back in that area. It went up, went further up there. It's not Shiloh anymore. Um, so, you know, and God is taking them away from leaning on that for a while. And so Samuel's really not associated with that either, is he? And we established last week that he's a priest. He wasn't really a high priest, but he could offer sacrifices. And he's so doing um, here. And it's okay. This is a, a place that would normally we would think of the Canaanites and their whole background. Before the temple was built, the high place actually was used for worship and sacrifices and was really the best place to have a vantage point. And that's the idea. Whenever the people would be participating in worship, they could be able to see from a distance that allowed them to visually see that, and then they too then would eat in turn. Do so does like that help? It doesn't say that. No, huh? It's just uh, just a day that he's there in the city, um, and because there's no regular temple. Right. So he could be going around to different places and allowing the people to worship God. He's leading the people in worship. It's really what he's doing, the whole nation. He not only judges, but I think he's got a kind of like a 
what is it, uh, like Wesley, you know? Remember, he'd get on the horses and go from down to down. <laughs> now, I don't know if Samuel got it on a donkey or not. But... <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they thought he knew where their donkey was. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> supposed to be. Maybe he saw that there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Donkey whisper. <laughs> that's yeah, right. That's kind of like what it seems like that's what they're going for here. Well, if you go to Deuteronomy 12, about about a high place, you know, it's you got yeah, you got something there in the law. 12, 2 through 5. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn their assurance with fire and you shall cut down the engraved images of their gods and obliterate their name from that place. So there we're talking uh, high, high places again. And he says you destroy those places. But this is not a place of idolatry. This is where Samuel is leading them in true worship. And at this time, this is a good thing. And it's for a, a lot of reasons why that would be. But it's not a pagan thing that Samuel's doing here. Um, this is where they go. They go there to uh, meet him. They want to talk to him. Sacrifice is going. Behold Samuel. So that, you know, Saul and his servant, I mean, that's, um, you know, they're pretty forward in going with this. Um, Samuel just sees them coming, goes goes there to meet them. From a human point of view here, Saul's arrival is unlikely, you know, that he would even be there. It didn't sound like, you know, a place that he would really be going to. He's never even heard of this guy, it sounds like. At least he doesn't know him. You know, they've they've wandered about unsuccessful and finding the lost donkeys. Now they're out of food, right? They didn't have any food to offer. And they're eager to go home, or at least Saul was. But the young women have a point of view in that Hey, you guys are really lucky. He just happens to be here today. So you see their point of view. They're not even looking for what is going to happen. The women are just saying, well, what a deal. Yeah, he's here. You know, you're quite the lucky people. Good looking too. Oh. <laughs> but from the divine point of view, they are expected as we shall see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's a human point of view, and then there's a divine point of view. What happens is that Samuel gets direct revelation from I God. I think this is so awesome. Isn't it? That God gives us a look at this. That, you know, here we are just wandering around doing our little thing. But then there's the man of God that God's talked to and he's got a plan. You know, we sometimes I forget he's got a plan. It doesn't look like there's a plan here. Because you're just chasing donkeys. He always does. (laughs) This is our life, isn't it? Nothing. Nothing is accident. Yeah. He lets us see it. He tells us. I just think that's awesome. Just think of all the things that you've done this week. And not that he's a puppet master and he's making us do whatever right, we're doing. Right. But it's all part of his plan, ultimately. Yeah. And when you see it like that, that he's the grand weaver of all this, we're in his hands. In every life. In every life. How's he that? Yeah, that's a big guy. <laughs> big guy. Okay, so in 15 through 17, yeah, this is this is us. This is great. Now, a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, and you're right, the Lord is just letting us in on this. Saul could have just been appointed by Samuel and then he becomes king. But you know, I don't remember too much of this story. I don't remember Saul's father. 
I faintly remember that maybe Samuel or Saul was out there in the fields doing something. I don't remember the donkeys. I've read this before. It's been a long time. Isn't it interesting when we cover a lot of this, we go, huh, I don't remember that. Had I ever read it? Yeah. Okay. But when you start taking a look at it the way that God is designing it, you understand Him a little bit better. So whatever's gone on in the last week, I can guarantee you, God has His design. Especially as many people that have been praying and praying and praying for mm-hmm. others. I mean, those prayers, you know, don't go non-answered. He's doing something. Well, you know, the the event with Tony last week, that right. was just, I mean, it was like it, it came out of nowhere in a short amount of time. Yeah. And then it was like, you are better in like no time. And you feel better now than you did before. It's like, what does God have? Well, I can tell you what. God got the glory through that. And that's why I say, you know, we take, we take everything for granted a lot. You know, and you, you look back at that. We, we even take each one of you, you know, I take for granted. You know, you're always here and everything. You know, you guys are all. But my goodness. How valuable you are to the kingdom of God. Oh yeah. That could have been the end. I mean, we may never have seen Tony again. And Tony goes, Hey And Tony was sitting there said and I would have had no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of here. Yeah. Home of the Lord. He's saying, Well well listen, if that election went that way, then (laughs) might as well just I'm out of here. (laughs) What's uh, how's God planning that, you know? Well, he didn't want me to come back and vote. But that was a big deal. That was a big deal. We have little things all the time that we don't even really consider, but they have a lot to play in what God is doing. So there's that song, <clears throat> uh, 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 Amy Grant, years and years and years ago. Uh, angels watching over oh, yeah. me, and I think about that. You know, I get upset because I I'm in a hurry and I'm trying to do whatever I think I gotta do, and I can't get it done, and I can't get to where I gotta go, where I think I gotta go. Where you think you're supposed to be? Yeah, and and yay. Yeah, you know, there's an appointment going on <laughs> right. there, right? Right, and and I forget to, you know. I, I'm working on it. I'm thinking. I do way better than I used to do. I used to get so angry, and now I, I can I can sit back a minute and say, "Okay, thank you, God. This is good. God's got." This. God mellows us down, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And when you look at truth like this, you go, "Wow." That's the thing that's just a little glimpse of what He does with me all the time. I just love this. This is awesome. God is so it, good. It is great. <laughs> So, 16, about this time tomorrow, which is the very day is where we're at now, here with the, the two guys there, Saul and the servant. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, okay. and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. Mm-hmm. Saul's been wondering, who's going to be? Like and then they, God just like shows up, says up. Uh, think all day he's been like this? <laughs> Whatever whatever time it is, let's say noontime tomorrow, this man's going to show up and he's going to be the one. And he's got a direct line here, you know. So. Mine says commander instead of prince. Oh. But he said tomorrow at this time. (laughs) Mine says captain. Ooh. Captain, prince, commander, one who. Leads, yeah, right. The the authority is there. Uh, one given prominence is what the Hebrew means. So either either of those words, it's the idea, and we know obviously it's really going to be king. But one who has supreme prominence, he's going to be placed in front of everybody. Uh, the title refers to one designated to rule. So, uh, and a prince is one who's going to be king, right? So that's what he's saying there in in, in that thought, yeah. 
so he's going to be a prince over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. Wow. Out of all the idolatry they've done, and God says, I hear the cry of the people. Man, that's amazing. What what kind of mercy does he have? Look at the grace. Here's a Benjamite going to be coming there and uh, you're going to anoint him. This is a gracious gift of a compassionate God here. And he hears the cries of his people. This man's going to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. And we all know the outcome of Saul. We know that. But God still used him. Samuel looks up, sees Saul, his servant arriving. God had told him about this man. God's really telling him, this is the man. Right here. Samuel knows the one coming toward him is, in, is God's choice for Israel's king. So we pick it up. Uh, verse 17, When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Okay, tomorrow there's going to be one coming. That man is going to be the prince. And then, when he's coming there, God says, "What? This is him. That's him." You could have you could have had twenty or thirty men that you meet during the day and still wondering. God says, "Right there, there's the man." Well, he said about this time tomorrow, so he kind of did give him. Yeah, I even told him when, and now he's saying, this is him. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, please tell me where the seer's house is. (laughs) You're talking to him. Samuel, that shows you that he doesn't know him. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. I am the prophet. Go up before me to the high place. <laughs> See your high places sounds really not so much the true worship, does it? But it is. Uh, for you shall eat with me today. And in the morning, I'll let you go. You're going to stay here the rest of the day. We're going to take care of you. <laughs> we'll tell you all that is on your mind. And... Saul doesn't even ask that. Yeah, right. He doesn't get a chance. I'm sure he probably would have liked to say, "Hey, can you tell me where our donkeys are at? We've lost them. We've been everywhere well, for the last three days." He's going to eat. Well, you didn't know, give him a chance to give him the silver coin. Yeah, and they're going to eat, right? As for your donkeys, <laughs> what do you? How do you know that? As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago. Do not set your mind on them. Don't worry about it. For they have been found. Is <laughs> there good news there? Wow, isn't God good? And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's household? You that you're getting quite a blessing here. This is for you. This is for your household. Saul is blown away by this. He replies, "Am I not a Benjamite?" one of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family, the least of all the families, of the tribe of Benjamin. There was a judge that said something like that. Do you remember that? Gideon. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know, who am I? You know, we're just, you know, a small family. We're nobody. Why are we getting this blessing here? Why? Who are we? Why do you speak to me in this way? You're so kind. And here you're telling me my the donkeys are taken care of and you're going to, you want me to eat with you? Then Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them into the hall, gave them a place at the head of those who were invited, who were about thirty men. We think they're asking. Huh? These are all invited people. The servant and Saul are not invited, but now they're invited. Samuel said to the cook, goes over to him, bring the portion 
that I gave you concerning which I said to you, set it aside. It's, this is the best of the meat, the best portion. Then the cook took up the leg with what was on it, set it before Saul. Now, I think of leg, and I'm going, okay, leg's pretty good, but you know, if you're eating chicken, what do people like the most usually? They like that breast, right? It's, or, or it's like the leg along with the, the breast, the best part, the fat, or the, the meat. The shoulder, it's, it, yeah, it would be considered uh, what would be the best part, is the thought. Leg, shoulder, what else? What do you guys have? We have all over the place. We have discrepancies. Yeah. Well, if you look at Exodus 29-27, this says that the leg was the priest's portion. And that would be what the best part is. They are getting what the priest or the what and Samuel would be the one at this time. And he's saying, That's not for me. It's for him. Now remember, Samuel was really disheartened when he heard the people wanted a king. But God says, It's okay, Samuel. Give him a king. And look at his heart in this. You know. He may not have felt like that, but he does what he knows what he's supposed to do. And he treats him like royalty. Because he is. God made this man that. And so this best part, and by the way, you said Exodus, and in Leviticus you have, uh, where's that at? Leviticus 7, 28, and it's about the priest. Best part then, as far as what's left there, and that sacrifice is given to them. Twenty-eight says, uh, "Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, He who offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands are to bring offerings by fire to the Lord. He shall bring the fat with the breast." Now, fat sounds bad, doesn't it? But that's the best part of the meat. That's the white of the meat. That The breast may be presented as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall offer up the fat in smoke on the altar, but the breast shall belong to Aaron and his sons. You shall give the right thigh to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. The one among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat and the right thigh shall be his as his portion. For I have taken the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution from the sons of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them to Aaron the priest high priest and to his sons as their due forever from the sons of Israel so quite a high honor that they would get in the meat that they would get they would always get the best that's what Samuel would be normally getting but it doesn't happen here he gives it up to the future king so it says in 24, Samuel said, here's what has been reserved with an exclamation point. He's talking to, to uh, Saul, isn't he? Set it before you and eat because it has been kept for you until the appointed time. This is for you right now. Since I said I have invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. What an honor. He is sitting at the top of the table eating the choicest food of them all. 25. When they came down from on high, uh, from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early and at daybreak, so evidently that you know a lot of times you know depending on the time of the year People would sleep on the roof because it would, if, it, if it's hot, that's where it would be the coolest. 
and Saul and Samuel are going to spend some time together. A lot of being able to give uh, some wisdom Samuel has to Saul. Do you think Saul, Saul knew what was going on at that, that meal up there? Since he didn't <laughs> seem to be so... He is... He seemed to be so included in on it. He's freaked out. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going on. Well, I mean, he's getting a free meal and he's a teenager. Something's happening days, here. But, yeah. yeah. Something's going on. Well, but yeah. he understood that comment that, that Samuel made. He got a little excited about that, it said. Yeah, well, he's been told about, you know, the donkeys. He was told that he's going to eat with them. All he wanted to do was give them some money and find out where the donkeys are at. Well, the donkeys are already home. They don't even have to gather them up and take them home. They're already there. When he goes into this thing about how, you know, am I not a Benjamite? Yeah. Yeah. Something is really going on here. He understood something stuff. This is the man of God. That's right. Wow. That's right. He did understand something. Oh yeah, he's getting it. He doesn't know about being king. That's right. But that's why Sam is going to tell him. He knew there was an honor that was being bestowed upon him. Is what he understood something. So they go to sleep, wake up early. They rose early, and at daybreak. Samuel called Saul on the roof. Now, the servant, evidently, is not on the roof here, I I don't think. Maybe he's sleeping somewhere else. But Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. The servant still could be, I don't know, anyway, they they get get together. Get up, that I may send you away. Get up, that I send you away. This is a special sending away. I've got something to show you. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. doesn't say the servant there. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, okay, it's like maybe the servant's coming up there, they're getting ready to go. Say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on. Go ahead and tell him to, to uh, you know keep on going, and you'll catch up with him. But you remain standing now that I may proclaim the word of God to you. Now I'm going to tell you. And going into chapter 10, boom, is the anointing. That's when he knows when the anointing happens. Here it is now. We don't get to do that tonight. Our time is done. Okay, Go. That's it. Like no work tomorrow. <laughs> no work tomorrow. Okay, let's do another chapter. <laughs> we could probably do. Wow, it is seven o'clock. I can't believe it. So many Sometimes that hour goes as fast as I'm probably do the whole time. No. <laughs> Dennis slows us up. He wants to stop and talk about some of those things for a while. Like, oh, oh, once upon a time, we would sit until midnight. <laughs> We'd go a long time, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we start a lot earlier, too. Aren't you glad we took that? Aren't you glad we took that time? You know, here it is, seven o'clock now. We used to meet at seven o'clock. Remember that? Yeah. Ooh, we might fall asleep here. <laughs> Stay overnight. We're going to do that. That worked for everybody, didn't it? Let's pray. Father, you are a great God. My, how merciful you are to people who don't deserve it. How gracious is it is amazing, Lord, that you let people in on things. Here, you tell us details about how this went down. And really, it's really showing the very character of who you are. And how you work and deal. And you are a God of uh, providence. A sovereign God. Working out things in the way that you plan. That's just perfect. And we go, wow. And that's what you do every day. Every second. All day long. For billions of people. It's incredible. We can't understand it all. And we're not really meant to. You're the ones who's directing. We just trust you. That's all you ask us is to trust, believe you, and that's the overcomer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
just seems sounds so simple. Just trust me. Just trust. Just trust yeah. me. But right now? I mean, you know. Really? <laughs> right now. I mean, things are looking the way 